When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, two-time Super Bowl champion Chris Long joins us to talk about what it's like to play in a Super Bowl, and he previews Super Bowl 56. We give you the latest OU football updates, including staff additions, NFL Combine invites, and the latest thing Lincoln Riley said that made people mad. We finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, Ready Five Stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, February 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11:59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, you went to the Thorpe Award Banquet. How was that? It was great. It was fantastic. I had a really good time. Um... Kobe Bryant, Cincinnati corner, won the award. Fantastic young man. Did an excellent job uh, with his acceptance speech. Luke Fickle was there. I I take him as a very no-nonsense kind of guy, even whenever he's up there giving a a, a speech for one of his players who just won a big national award. Bunch of the former winners were there. It was awesome. Nice. Really well done. Did, did you ask Luke Fickle why he bailed on his OU interview? I thanked him for bailing on the uh, nice. OU interview. <laughs> no, I didn't. Didn't get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, no, but that's always that's always a tremendous event. Did you wear a tux? Did you get in a tux? 
I did not. There were some people in, in tuxedos. I did not. I was in just a, just a suit, which is fine. Luke Fickle was in a suit. He did go with one of those really skinny ties, which I thought was, uh, was a really nice touch for him. Well, well there you go, Luke. Now, you know, <laughs> Ted was a big fan of the skinny tie. Apparently <laughs> once again, just an unbelievable amount of OU stuff to talk about. We do have Chris Long, two-time yes. Super Bowl champ on this episode, and it is a great interview. Little warning, some four-letter words, no F-bombs, though, so I feel good about it. Are, are those acceptable four-letter words? Acceptable, all acceptable four-letter four-letter words in my mind. So, <laughs> But just a heads up just in case you got the kids in the car. There's language in there, but it's tasteful, I guess. Yeah, and somehow he cusses and, like, it sounds, like, joyful. He rolls it right into the – you almost have, you almost don't notice it. It's it's very f- just fluid and natural. It is. I'm, how it's I'm very jealous. <laughs> All right, let's start with some new staff additions for OU. So uh, we, we knew this one was coming, but Ryan Young – has been named the senior director of Soul Mission. Uh, so he'll be leading that group of Caleb Kelly, Curtis Lofton, Josh Norman, Ryan Young. He was a player at K-State when BV was there, drafted by the Jets, started 55 games in his five-year NFL career with the Jets, Texans, and Cowboys. Career was cut short by knee issues. He's got some motivational speaking experience. Nice. This is just, it's another guy that is rooted in his faith, that has battled through adversity in his career, but has also, you know, played football at the highest level. I mean, started 55 games. That's a lot. So this this seems like a guy that's going to be able to relate to a lot of people. And when we've talked about these players having resources, like guys they can go to, and lean on and Ryan Young he he seems like one of those guys just hearing BV talk about him publicly like he he loves the man so uh, I, I'm fired up for these players to have a resource like Ryan Young to lean on what I think so cool about the uh the soul mission group Caleb Kelly Curtis Lofton Josh Norman and now Ryan Young is there's such a wide range of uh, experiences in there. Caleb Kelly's a guy that, you know, the injury thing happened for him. So he had to make the most of his college career in like a different manner and a different angle. Um, and he was, he was one of those really highly recruited guys coming out. So, you know, he's got that experience of that pressure and, you know, maybe realizing at a, at a fairly early time that that, all those big goals of, you know, being an NFL Hall of Famer and stuff like that, you're snapped back to rea- reality pretty quickly. You've got to develop another path. Um, Curtis Lofton's a guy that left early, right, and went to the draft. Josh Norman's a guy that, you know, played in a national championship. And uh, Ryan Young is a guy that played a, a lot of football. And It's just there's all these different paths that have been taken. All these guys had a different path to where they – ended up so I think it just covers a really nice wide range of like most they those situations can end up relating to almost every guy on the roster in some some form or fashion yeah and I'm excited to see kind of how the soul mission 
program develops, right? Because I feel like Brent Venables had what he wanted it to be like in his mind, but I'm excited to see how these guys grow it, right? Because if it's going to be the backbone of the program, like BV said it is, I I can't wait to see kind of where it goes. And that's one of the exciting things about it for me is, yeah, they, they've got all kinds of experiences, but, you know, is this something that could give OU and it's not, it's not all just about winning and losing, but is this something that, you know, when, when you're developing guys and you have them feeling comfortable and, and loving what they're doing and loving where they're at, like, in a weird way, is this something that gives OU a competitive advantage advantage down the line? You know what I mean? I know that sounds weird, but. Well, I think it is. And I think the, the off-field development is a box that everyone checks at all, all your Power 5 places of, see, look, it's not all football. Look what we're doing over here off the field. But it's just. It's just to keep pace with what everyone else is doing and making sure that, you know, you're you're taking care of the off-field stuff too. That's not what this is. This is Venables pouring a ton of resources into it. And, like, this is going to be the recruiting pitch. And it's not going to be for everyone, right? And that, that's one of the things. It's not going to be for everyone. Um, parents are going to love it. You know, I think a, a, a parents are able to be more realistic about their their kids at times saying that, yeah, I think you're really great. I think you've got a ton of potential. I'd love to see in the NFL, but we, you need to be prepared for if you don't go to the NFL. And you can't convince kids of that, right? It's That's where I'm going. So I think it's something that's going to have big sway with parents and the biggest reason why I think it's going to be successful is, again, it's not checking a box. It's something that Coach Venables is very sincere about whenever he says he wants these guys developed for a life of, of success, whether it's in football or if it's in the, the real world. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Okay, another guy reportedly now, you can probably confirm it at this point, right? But J.P. Lossman joining the staff in a player personnel football administration kind of hybrid role. It's a guy that it is a former first round pick of the Buffalo bills where he played with Teddy Lehman. He also played in the UFL for the Las Vegas locomotives where he played with Teddy Lehman spent the last five seasons at Clemson as an analyst. Obviously this is a guy that, you know, well, Ted, anytime you can, you can add a guy that, first of all, quarterbacks, they just know the game at a higher level than a lot of other people do. But a, a guy that went through all that, was a first-round pick, seem, seems like a nice addition. No, he's, he's great. Um, did a lot of really good stuff there at Clemson and you know, was an analyst there for a while. I go way back with him. I met J.P., and we trained together before the draft, uh, the 2004 draft. So we go back a long way. I've known him for a really long time, uh, you know, worked out, trained with him every day for, you know, two months or so, whatever, leading up to uh, the draft and all of that stuff. So we go back a long ways. And he's, 
he's he's a valuable asset. He understands the game. Obviously, played it uh, at the NFL level. And you know, one of the things that I think he brings that's interesting is he's a he's a quarterback that it really wasn't his thing in the NFL, but he was a he was kind of a dual threat guy himself. Uh, was an athlete. Um, was a highly highly uh, recruited kid, and obviously did some really good things at Tulane. But I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna bring an interesting perspective, and it's gonna be less with the players and more with the kind of the coaches, you know. And I, I think he's gonna be a nice addition. And I'm anxious, honestly, to see really more in detail what his role is gonna be. And you know, he he had some really good opportunities and chose to come to Oklahoma. He had some good opportunities in the NFL uh, that he could have gone with, but decided to come here with this. And I think it's, I think that's a, a, a good thing for us, for the staff. Yeah. And you look at kind of where he's from, where, where he played guys from LA. So what wouldn't be terrible if he, he's got some West coast connections when, when you're talking about. Yep. You know, recruiting, you would, you're always looking for a nice recruiting pipeline, right? So it's a guy that was a first round pick that's from LA Remember, he went to UCLA and then transferred to Tulane. So maybe he still knows some people out there can uh, can maybe pull a couple of kids out of the state of California. That would be that would be nice. Also, or Louisiana. There's a couple of players down there too. That's what I was gonna say. He <laughs> played it too late. I really hope he knows a lot of the high school coaches down in Louisiana because we we need some more of those big bodies from the state of Louisiana. That 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 would certainly help. Yeah, he's 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 a good dude. Um, he's got uh, a real positive personality, real energetic personality. I'm excited about it. While the Sooners add Ryan Young and JP Lossman, they lose Chip Viney, which dang it, man, because Chip is is the new corners coach at San Jose State, which is big time. I, I'm so happy for Chip and Wit, but. He's a guy, he's been great in his role at OU and the hybrid role of a little bit of everything, right? Player development, uh, analyst, recruiting, coordinator, analyst, whatever you want to call it. The guy, the guy has done a lot of things for OU over the last several years in a hybrid role. But I'm, I think, am I mainly going to miss Wit Because she's great. She, yeah. she produced Coach's Corner. What are me and Plank supposed to do? I don't know. Uh, they were, they're an excellent pair. They've done some really good things there, both of them. And yeah, Chip, I, you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of the players, you've seen a lot of the former defensive backs come out and, and give their support of him. Um, I'm glad he, he broke through and, and got that position coach job because that's, that's big. And that's what ultimately, that's what everyone's wanting to break through and, and become. And I know he wanted it here at Oklahoma, and I know a lot of people thought he was, you know, capable of that job. But with everything that he knows and he's learned and everything that he brings, my guess is he's not going to be at San Jose State very long. Yeah. Uh, wish him the best of luck. He's an awesome guy. And yep. he's just just a lot of fun to be around. A lot of positive vibes from right. that guy. It's just yep. he's, a, he's an enjoyable human being to spend time with. And, and I think he's going to be a hell of a coach. Nope, out there I totally State agree. State. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I could see him climbing the coaching ladder pretty quickly. All right, let's, let's talk a little combine 
11 OU players invited to the NFL Combine. Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito, Gabe Burkich. Look at the kicker getting the invite. All right. Kennedy Brooks, Jeremiah Hall, Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, Isaiah Thomas, DeLaren Turner-Yale, Perion Winfrey, who is scheduled to join us when we record yes. on Sunday. Love it. Scheduled. We'll, we'll it's going to be scheduled. good. It's going to be good. If we can, if we can lock that in, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting one. I can tell. I, I can, we can only hope. We can only <laughs> hope. And then uh, last guy that got the invite, Mike Woods. So OU is tied for second with Bama for the most invites. The only school with more invites than OU is Georgia with 14. So this is great for recruiting, right? You look at it. And OU football, they put the graphic out as soon as they could put it together, right? It looks great, and it it plays really well on the recruiting trail because if anyone says, oh, OU can't make you a pro, then a kid's like, what, what are you talking about? They sent 11 guys to the combine. Right. Second most of any school. Like, that is – and that's something that clearly the OU coaches – the, especially, you know, the guys that were on the, on the old staff that have stayed around and then the new, the guys that are on the new staff, that that's something you can use. Right. But yep. it also, it also is one of those situations where there is the faction of the fan base. That's a lot of guys. <laughs> How are we going to replace them all? Well, there's that there's like, that's a lot of guys, man. We got a lot of production to replace and there, there's no doubt that OU does. Uh, I mean, we knew that was coming, but there's that faction of the fan base that was thinking that Lincoln Riley wasn't all in at, at a point yep. during the season and you're sending 11 guys to the combine and you weren't even playing in the big 12 championship game. When, when I believe Oklahoma state sending three Baylor's sending seven. So you're actually sending more guys to the NFL combine and I know one of them is a kicker, but still. But more, you're sending more guys to the NFL Combine than the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship game are combined. Yeah. That, uh, that it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. And I, I don't think that that faction of the fan base is going to stop bringing that up anytime soon. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of truth to that. I get that. Now... You know where I fall. I will always say that result is on the players, right? That the coach has got to prepare you and coach you up and everything, but I, I, I would never put my performance on a coach. I'm not saying that that's not what happened in, in this situation, but I'm always very reluctant to, to put that out there. I, I would never want someone else's lack of commitment to affect like what my, what my job is or what my role is on a team and my ability to get it done. But it is, a, it is an interesting point <laughs> and it's hard to avoid, right? 11. Underwhelming Only result. Same, same number as Bama 11. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it's interesting. Now it's exciting. It's exciting. I, I'm fired up for all those guys to to go and show what they can do. Right? You, it's, you is Perry Winfrey going to be the highest pick after what he did in the Senior Bowl? Yes. 
right? Yeah. Who, who would, of those 11 guys, I mean, who has a chance of going higher than him? Now, Benito plays Benito. a premium position, and, and maybe if he goes to the combine and just destroys it, there's definitely a conversation to be had because he did have some production, right? Like, he, he's been a productive player at Oklahoma at a premier position, but with the way that Perion dominated things down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, I I don't think there's any way someone comes off the board before him of those eleven, right? Yeah, as long as as long as we there's no surprises between now and the and the time that the draft actually takes place. I think Perion Winfrey's in a in a pretty good position. He needs to continue to build on it though, because it, here's just to be real, the questions are going to be why like. Why do we see flashes and then big periods of of kind of disappearing and being a non-factor? That's going to be the big knock on him. I'm just saying. Well, I, I'm planning on asking him something. Maybe I'll probably word it a little differently to the big fella <laughs> on Sunday. But I, I'm planning on asking something similar to that. Yeah. And just once again, Keep tweeting Perion to come on the podcast because he DM'd me about it. He's like, everyone's tweeting me to come on. I was like, bro, you got to come on. That's what you got to do. Want. Give them what they want. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the more uh, controversial OU related stuff from the week. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. This is why you do not skip the ad reads, because if you do, if you fast forward past it, you are missing the fact that Opolis Clothing has created two new St. Patrick's Day Oklahoma Breakdown t-shirts. They're fantastic. You're going to have your green. Um, Order yours by March Third, you got to get the orders in early. Remember, these are St. Patrick's Day shirts. There you go, Gabe's giving a a sample. You got a four leaf clover. You got the all green, uh, excellent stuff. And yes, they are buttery soft as well as well as the hoodies that we have as well. So go to opolisclothing.com. That's o p o l i s clothing.com. Use our promo code TED T E D for ten percent off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off, buttery soft, and 10% off. I'm going to rock the hell out of that shirt on St. Patty's Day. I cannot wait. Fantastic. <sighs> okay. I mean, we got to talk about it. We've, we've tried to not talk about it. We, we've tried to stay away. But Lincoln Riley just keeps saying stuff that keeps pissing this fan base off. So we got to talk about it. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I really don't. So Lincoln Riley 
he did the Super Bowl radio row kind of car wash. And there was one line that got a lot of attention. And maybe, I don't know if it's because the way he chuckled during the middle of it or what, but he did say, quote, we didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. He mentioned that players and families had to make that decision. It was a tough decision. But really, I mean, Ted, really? Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's, here's what annoys the hell out of OU fans with the Lincoln Riley. 95% of OU fans feel like the whole thing is, is behind us to a certain extent because we're in a better position. Most people feel like moving forward. Okay. So it's not that people are mad and they want Lincoln back. It's, it's some of the things that he says, and it's 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 constant with they're not necessarily lies, but it's deliberate with the way that he's saying it. It's just like whenever he said, I will not be the next head coach at LSU, right? And then a couple hours later goes to USC, right? It's a true statement, right? It's true. He was not the next coach at LSU. But he said it that way deliberately, um, and it's the same thing here. It's the same exact thing. Technically true, but we're not all total idiots, and we know what's going on here. You didn't take him from the portal. Those guys came directly from OU to your program. Let's, let's, let's call it how it is. And it's just the long list, man. There's, there's like You throw in the, having a, a guy that you're going to hire on staff recruit for both OU and for USC. Um, you know, there's, there's just, it's a never ending like parade of these, these shots and these half truths and lies. It's, it's just, it's annoying as hell. It is. It is something that this approach, like this tactic, of saying something that we all know is bullshit, but is it technically a lie? It's it's something that a person that thinks he's smarter than everyone else does, right? Yeah. Or like, or a lawyer, right? They're like technically, but it's just weird. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just it's just weird. And all you have to say is, hey. I- Listen, I, I understand there, there's, there's people that are passionate about this, but, you know, I've, I've taken the head coaching job at USC. It's, it's my job to get our roster in the best position to win football games. That's it. You don't have to justify any more than that. Yeah. That you, you don't have to say, oh, we didn't take him from Oklahoma. We took him from the transfer portal. Like, he, he's a really intelligent guy. He has to know saying that out loud in front of a camera is going to set off all of these OU fans, right? Like he has to know that. And yep. Maybe, maybe he's doing it on purpose. I don't know if he is. Possibly. Kind of, I, I would actually respect him more if he was, because that would I'd be like, all right, man, touche. Well done. But it's like he's saying these things and he believes like word for word, what's coming out of his mouth when everyone that is here is like, what? 
You really just say that? I don't. It's just really odd, man. It's it's like it's the delivery's like it's a slap in the face. Like people say, we're taking players from Oklahoma. We didn't take players from Oklahoma. Took from the transfer portal. Like, what are, are these people idiots? Like, how how do they even come up with this stuff? That's like the delivery of it. It's like yeah, anyone. It's, it's like people are idiots for saying we took players from Oklahoma. That didn't happen. It's the transfer portal. Yeah. So and, and I asked. I asked. So the rule. A coach from from the people I talked to, a coach that has left a school for another school, can't contact the player, right? Right. But they can contact the parents of a player from his former school. But that conversation can't be about recruiting. So if let for instance, he he could call Caleb Williams' dad, right? And he could he can't say I want Caleb to transfer here. That's tampering. You can't do that. But you can call and say, hey, just wanted to tell you I appreciate you. I'm going to USC. Thank you for everything. And then maybe the conversation goes where it goes, right? But so he he can technically contact those parents and have a conversation with them like because there was a pre-existing relationship, because he did recruit them, because they did come to Oklahoma. Like, that that is, I, I don't know if that's something that a lot of people have aware are aware of, and I don't know if those calls are being monitored either. So it's like there's no way you, he, he could easily be like, yeah, come to USC. I'm I'm the coach there. Come on, and I don't I don't know, but it's just it's just really weird that he continues to say these things. Yeah, and that's a dumb rule, by the way. It's like. If that's not right, blame Andy Staples because I had a long conversation. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that it's not right. I'm sure that it's right, but it's stupid. As soon as you make the decision to leave and you're now at a new school, that that contact should be totally cut off unless the kids have entered the transfer portal. It doesn't matter if you're talking to their parents. Like who Who cares what you're saying to their parents? You're at a new school, you know, it's that that's dumb. It's basically that is a loophole that makes it really, really easy to recruit guys from your old school or from any school, frankly. So I, I understand Lincoln Riley's job is to get as many talented players to come play at USC as possible. I've got no problem with him getting some of those OU guys, right? That that was those kids' decision, right? And frankly, I'm I'm surprised you only got convinced three guys to come. Some of that's that's built in, man. You expect some of that to happen. I I'm with you. But the the part that bothers me isn't you know the guys going in the portal and going to USC. The part that bothers me is him saying this stuff publicly that kind of just feels like a slap in the face to the University of Oklahoma to, you know, to say, oh, we didn't get them from Oklahoma. We got them from the portal. Oh, the, the transfer portal needs guardrails, even though I just took all these guys. Like, these things he's saying, like, it, it, it upsets so many people associated with Oklahoma. And it's just like, man, they, they gave you the keys to that program. Like, can you, can you just not say things that's going to piss off this entire fan base that loved you? I, the, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm, and maybe it's 
it's because there's been such an intense reaction to him leaving that he's poking the bear a little bit. And once again, if he's doing that, okay, touche, man. But well, I, he needs it's to, like he's I, not aware of it. It's, I don't think he is aware of it, honestly. And I don't think he wants to poke the bear because, you know, he had a, one of the things that, that OU did heavily whenever he was here is they had a really big social media presence and he had a big, big part of that they cannot make usc football cannot make a post right now on social media it gets absolutely destroyed by ou's troll army going after everything that they do so i it's it's not in their best interest to continue to to rile up ou's fan base but i'm i think it's going to continue to happen because i feel like he honestly thinks he's in the right on some of these things that he's saying. Like, it's not going to shock me if he says, well, I didn't talk to Caleb Williams. I talked to his dad and I didn't talk to him about recruiting. I just told him how great the weather is out here and how many games we're going to win and uh, what I plan to do with my quarterbacks in this system out here. So I, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we didn't talk recruiting though. I feel like we're going to continue to go down this road with pretty much everything. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it's just, I would, I would like to move on, but he just keeps saying things. It, it's impossible not to acknowledge because our, our listeners are vastly, you know, the vast majority of them are OU fans and they hear this stuff and they're like, what the hell? And I, I have the same reaction. Ah, maybe. Well, and here's the other thing that happens whenever you do stuff like this is you have to go back and look at every statement he ever made about anything that was even halfway controversial and say, well, is this a half truth? Is this a way to skirt around something? Is he like, what else was he doing this on? Yeah. I, I wish you would just be like, you know what? I'm the head coach at USC. Now my job is to assemble the best roster. I can't. Just leave it at that. Please, please stop trolling Oklahoma, even if you don't realize you're not doing it. They made you the head coach. The reason that you are the USC head coach is because of what you did at Oklahoma. Please yeah, they just... made you the head coach with the best team that they'd had in a while, right? With their best opportunity to go win a national championship. So, yeah. On to more, uh, <laughs> more fun topics. You, you chose violence on Twitter, my friend. <laughs> Caleb Williams was on Good Morning America. Uh, yeah. And you, I guess you said it how it is. I don't, I don't know what, what to say I here. Say? All, I, all I said. You know what you all, said. Let me say this. Do not even think about jumping into my Twitter mentions about how this is just some poor college kid, okay? No, 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 no. When you are now a professional football player and are earning two and a half million dollars, you, my friend, have entered the fray. So get ready for it. You are now uh, open to criticism. That's how I view it. Um, I just think it's a, I think it's a, 
who goes on the who transfers and goes on Good Morning America? Like, who even wants to see that? In college football, we're in the offseason. It's not even – it's ridiculous. It it didn't make a lot of sense from a timing perspective at no. all, certainly. Uh, now, the Eichert household is a GMA household. We are. Really? Um, Caroline turns it on like every morning. She loves it. She loves Robin Roberts and loves Strahan. Uh, she loves Strahan's Robin Roberts. great. That's ah, man, I don't know. I was I wasn't sure that anyone watched that show. I listen, man. It's not up to me. Uh, and I it's don't on. Know, it's one of those things that where I don't know that it's just kind of a background, right? You walk past it. Exactly. What are they talking about? And then you keep moving on. Exactly. Know? Maybe she'll yell some. Hey, watch this. And I'll do. Like, okay, I'll turn it on. And I turn it on in the living room. I the morning is daddy duty time. I'm yeah. I'm putting can through the drills, man. In the morning, we're getting better. We're getting swole. That, that's what's happening. She's watching Love GMA it. and me and the little man are working, but I, I thought you had to like win a national championship to be on there as a college football player, but apparently not, but said a couple things that I, I did think were interesting. Uh, talked about how OU fans will always have a special place in his heart. And then once again, said that NIL didn't play a factor in him choosing USC, which Okay, maybe it didn't, but it saying it didn't play a factor at all. I just, I just can't believe that. Like, I, I just can't think that that is true. He said he was already a rich kid. It didn't factor in. That's basically what he said in a roundabout way. <laughs> it was pretty funny, like how he tried to word it in his head. He was thinking, uh, I mean, I grew up rich, but he just couldn't say that out loud. I wish he would have. It would have been way better. Yeah. I, uh... I, I mean, uh, I think he is a talented kid. I, I do. I think he's, he's got some really good skills. But I, and, and maybe I'll come back and, and say this is the dumbest thing ever, but I think all of his focus and his family's focus is all in the wrong spot. That kid is dead set on being the number one draft pick overall. And he needs to be dead set on being a better quarterback. He's not there yet. He's not even close to being there yet. Kid was a 50% passer down the stretch. Got yanked in the Baylor game. He was playing so poorly. I mean, we got to, like, put into perspective what's going on here. There's a lot of people continue to call him a generational talent. I I just don't see that as being the case. I think he's a good young talent. It's got a very high ceiling, but it's not worthy of, all this attention that he's getting right now. That's just my opinion. You want to know the best game he played against zone coverage? Probably what? TCU or Tech? Oregon. Yeah. No, After Lincoln Riley was, had left? Yeah. When Ty Darlington was best. coaching him? Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is just the truth. Oklahoma State and Iowa State they were playing a significant amount of man coverage concepts before they played Oklahoma. And they played a ton of zone in those football games. Mm-hmm. Way more than they had up to that point in the season. That is not a coincidence. It's because, like your tweet said, Dad, the young man struggled with zone defense. Now, he could get better. 
but sure. Yeah. But and he will get better. He will. He's going to, I still think he's going to be a great player, but good morning America worthy right now. Come on now. Well, here's the thing. He's, he's, he's going to be a good player and he's going to get better, but he's going to have to get better with a worse offensive line, worse skill players. Like it's going to be different. It's going to be totally different for him. Now I still think is as awful as that conference is that they'll have some, some good success and probably win a lot of games early on and Lincoln system. It, it is good. There's some things that could be definitely be better about that system, but it is good. So, you know, I, and I do wish the kid the best of luck. I'm really more upset with the people that continue to build it up, build him up to this, this level that I think I personally feel like it's going to be a crash and burn. I feel like he's been put up to like all these standards out there that, you know, I, I just don't know how attainable they are. Yeah, if he if he had put together a season like Bryce Young had, right? We'd all like we wouldn't be talking it about it like this, but that hasn't happened yet. Like, yes, you can see the potential, you can see the talent of a player, but you also got to see the results on the field, man. And we saw flashes. And, and even like him string together some quarters and even halves, but He's got to get a lot better. Yeah, we also saw some, like, just winging it and somehow getting away with it. Like, some of these runs where he was just making the, like, the totally wrong read. And, you know, you do credit him for for making defenders miss that are unblocked and standing right there next to him. Um, But a lot of underthrown balls where his guys end up making good plays on him and stuff. It's like, it he was not a flawless quarterback by any stretch at all. And even OU's fan base was building him as such during the season, you know, and it's, he's got a lot of work to do and I think he's capable of it, but there's, there's a lot of improvement to be had. There were, there were a couple people that were in a Twitter battle, you know, USC fans and OU fans. It was over the good morning America and the Lincoln stuff. And you know the USC fan were like they they were talking about how how OU fans were saying how great Caleb was and all this stuff during the season and now they're only talking negatively about him because he's at USC now and we got tagged in so many things we're like no no go listen to the Oklahoma breakdown <laughs> listen to what those guys were saying during the year I was like guys leave us out of this leave us out of this. we this is this is our promise during the season. We'll call it how we see it. That's never going to change. No matter how good of friends Teddy is with the head coach. <laughs> That's right. Could get awkward. Could, it could get yeah. awkward. It, it could. All right. One last thing. And, and this is awesome. This is a sweet development for OU football players. OU is among the schools that will offer fans the chance to buy jerseys, authentic jerseys with players names on the back through a partnership between Fanatics and One Team Partners players. They just have to opt in to the program. And if their jersey sells, they get compensated. Now, not sure what the percentage is yet. Haven't uh, haven't seen those details quite yet. But it's bigger than zero. So this is awesome. This is This is something that a lot of people wanted a long time ago. And I got a feeling OU fans are going to buy a ton of jerseys. Yeah, I, I wonder. 
I wonder how it's like how they're going to pick who they make available and all those things. That's, or is it like something where you order and they I, produce it after an order? Yeah. I think from what I understood is like, if the player opts into the program, then their Jersey becomes eligible to order before the season, I think is how I understood it. And I'm sure you'll be able to order some of them during the season. I, I'm not the, all the details aren't quite out there, but either way, guys get jerseys with their names on the back of them and fans can order it. Like this should have happened. I don't know forever ago. This is, this is one of the things that we all had in mind when we, we talked about name, image, and likeness, right? And this is what's so damn frustrating. And I, I know the NCAA and the rules, the amateurism rules are the the thing that was blocking it. And I think schools probably would have been fine doing this a long time ago. But because of them blocking it, what do we get? We get these ridiculous NIL deals that has basically become an easy way to cheat in recruiting, right? Instead of just selling jerseys with the guy's names on it and giving them a cut, right? Could have avoided this whole mess if we would have just done something that's this easy that in any other world is totally reasonable. You sell something with the guy's name on it. He's the reason it's popular. He deserves a bit of the cut, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of number six jerseys walking around Norman. Are you are you retroactively going to be able to get uh, Eichard cut on your jersey? I really hope so. I, how many layman jerseys do you think we could sell? I actually think we could sell more than you think. I, I think we could probably sell one to all of my family. That's okay. probably what we'd hit. I, I mean, think- that's once again. That number that you would get from that bigger than zero. It would it would turn out to be a, a real big negative because my wife, I feel like, would buy up all of the inventory. It would cost us way more than we would end up making. She she would never do that. <laughs> she would never do that with Opolis shirts ever. Oh yeah, by the way, I've got uh I've got ten thousand Opolis shirts in there. I think I've bought all the inventory. Yeah. Oh, and this is cool because some people have said, What what about softball? What about basketball? That type of thing. I asked Joe C and he said there is a program for other sports as well, but only football has been announced. So sounds like that's coming, which is good. I like that. No, it's gonna be cool. Gonna sell a lot of softball jerseys, I would imagine. They'll probably they'll sell a shocking amount of softball jerseys, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys, what OU player will sell the most jerseys? Uh, this first response comes from Eli Ewing, who says Braden Willis is a great sooner hosts a popular podcast, which I listen to every week along with Oklahoma breakdown and is active on social media. I like his chances. I like those chances too. I am a Braden Willis guy. Lock me in. That may be the jersey that I purchase. Actually, I like that. You're going to be rocking the Willis, calling the game in the booth. Sure. You won't. <laughs> I might. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say, don't believe, don't talk yourself into a. Uh, put some shoulder pads here. and pants on too, and wear the full uniform up there. Oh, you won't. <laughs> Eye black, the whole thing. Okay, this next one comes from Mark Franklin, who says Marvin Mims 
and Dylan Gabriel will be top sellers. I don't think go ahead. I do think Gabriel's gonna sell a ton of jerseys. I'm really interested to see how this like right now he's obviously he's he's got a very high approval rating with OU fans. And I think that's gonna continue. I'm just curious to see how how it develops. I I think because I think it may be Baker Mayfield esque. Now I don't think he he's gonna Baker just draws more attention than anyone. He was an absolute showman. I've never seen anything like it. But it's kind of weird because he was he didn't do the whole recruiting thing right, and there wasn't like this big build up to where his moment where he's he's going to be the starter. It's kind of just a different road. Just curious to see how it develops. Like if he turns into like a one of those fan favorites that maybe you didn't expect this, this is what needs to happen for Dylan Gabriel in his, his compensation cut from the jerseys. He needs to look lights out in the spring game. If he does that, those jerseys are going to fly off of the rack. Yeah. You, there's nothing like a good overreaction to a good performance in a spring game. Come on, you know, especially just, a quarterback. But it's it's got to come from the backup. The, the starting quarterback supposed to look awful. Kyler, in his spring game before he started, looked. Now, the weather was horrible, but. <laughs> so it, bad. <laughs> was Freezing the, like a 40-mile-an-hour wind. Yeah, it was terrible. I remember Baker, before his final year, looked bad in the spring game. So. It's true, though. You're right. He does need that, and and um, that would help jersey sales a lot. But I don't know what it means for our season. Yeah, I. It's a new. It's a new era, man. That yeah. The, it's the BB Fair. era. The the quarterback can play well in the spring game. Okay, and this last one comes from Hunter Ty T T I G H E. Ty. Hunter, I, we tried, man. So <laughs> if we didn't hit it with one of those, we're sorry. But he said Danny Stutzman versus Drake Stoops for the top spot. Ooh. Hashtag place your bets. Drake Stoops is a good one. I didn't think about that. A Stoops jersey, that's pretty sweet. And Stutzman, it's going to be interesting. He wanted to switch numbers. He joked about ending up in a 69 jersey. If if he ends up doing that and plays linebacker in a 69 jersey, I think Stutzman's your number one seller. Just every student <laughs> on campus buys it. He's great, dude. He's oh, hilarious. He's an entertaining kid. All right. It's time for birthday shout-outs. Happy first birthday to Stevie Kate Gilmore. Happy birthday, Stevie. Happy third birthday to Palmer Grace Abercrombie. What a name. Hall of Fame name right there. Happy birthday, Palmer. PGA initials. You kidding me? Destined for greatness. That's awesome. Happy third birthday to Griffin Knuckles. Happy birthday, Griffin. Happy fifth birthday to Foster Knuckles. Got to be related. Happy birthday, Foster. Happy 10th birthday to Landry Malm. Happy birthday, Landry. Happy 18th birthday to Jack Darlington. Happy birthday, Jack. Happy 26th birthday to Blake Lee. Happy birthday, Blake. 
Happy 35th birthday to Mike DeZura. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy 70th birthday to Jerry Kintner. Happy birthday, Jerry. Happy 71st birthday to Mike Black. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday to Molly Hart. And Molly, please be nice to Skip. I I understand you were a little upset that he didn't get you a birthday shout-out on the last episode, but here it is, Molly, so be nice to Skip. Uh, Skip and Molly are the best. Happy birthday, Molly. All right, let's let's hear from two-time Super Bowl champ Chris Long. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, winter is here, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. What one is that? Is this that is a cherry the old, limeade? This Woo! is the original can cherry limeade. Well, it's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, here he is. Here's Chris Long. It is our pleasure to be joined by a two-time Super Bowl champion. He was the 2018 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. He also hosts the Green Light Podcast, and most people may not know this. He is Howie Long's son, <laughs> Chris Long. What's up, right, man? Well, what's up, dude? I got a couple, you know, Oklahoma legends on the Zoom call here. This is pretty cool. I, Teddy and I didn't really get a chance to talk, but I used to watch him play. So this is this is pretty good surprise here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the old man of the group. That's okay. I, I could fall <laughs> into that. Yeah. So how are the football withdrawals? Do you still have them? You know, sometimes I do. Uh, I think everybody deals with it different. Um, for me, it's, it's just Sunday. You know, it's like people say you miss your teammates. Yeah, I miss my teammates. Like, certainly I do. But I got two kids at home. It's part of the reason I retired. You know, I got a family. I have buddies in my hometown. It's part of the reason I'm okay with retirement, you know, but missing teammates you can call them on the phone if you need to i'm facetiming my buddies like you stay in touch with the guys that you're supposed to stay in touch with you lose touch with guys that means you weren't that close Mm -hmm. it's just the plays man you know it's like the big plays on third down a loud stadium you just can't get that anywhere else so sometimes on a sunday i'll feel in a big situation like my my hair stand on end a little bit but other than that i really do like retirement and uh you know it's that's the give and take of this thing. You got to get out sometime. Uh, I'm sure you still got a couple pass rushes in you, you know, some situational <laughs> stuff, right? Huh? I feel, you know, I feel good. Like, yeah, you know, I, I think 
how I walked away from the game made me feel good about retirement too, you know, because it was, nobody ran me out. I felt good about getting out. You know, I, I said, Hey, I wanted to play 10 years or something. That's a goal. Okay. 11, you know, I wanted to win a super bowl. I was very lucky to have an opportunity to be on two awesome teams that won two. Um, and I had to wait a long time to do that. So, you know, it, it was just a fulfilling career for me. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be on, on this side of it, on the microphone with y'all, man. This is a, this is a grind. This is different though than playing. This is a different kind of grind, man. It's like, it's just a busy grind. It's not like a, uh, your body's tired, your beat down grind. It's yeah. just like, you've always got something else to do, but how do you like it? How do you like, you know, kind of looking at it from a different aspect? I think it's cool, man. You know, I enjoy this is the this is how you replace the locker room. Like I say that, you know, like I say, hey, you're not going to miss the locker room. You are going to miss the locker room. Like it's hard to replicate that. But I think a lot of guys have gotten into this thing, not just to pay the bills, but like, come on, we like to shoot the shit and, you know, kind of talk football and life and whatever. And this is kind of what we came from. It's hard for us to go out in the work world and just you know, pick up like we've been in corporate America for 10, 12 years, <laughs> you know, like guys get head starts on us. So this is an area where I feel like we can just dive right in and kind of, if you have a personality, if you're authentic and if you study the game, you know, you can fit in. So um, I think it's a really cool challenge. Playing was a, was like an existential crisis. Like it was like, if I fail, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's no, there's no point in coming in the building the next day. The failures are not as like violent with podcasting. Like you, you screw up, you make fun of it. You know, yeah, you make fun of it. You're just like, ah, oh, man, that was a shitty show. I did a bad, it was a bad question, or I called Matthew McConaughey, uh, Matt on the show, the, the biggest guest I ever had. I'm like, how you doing, Matt? He's like, Matthew, Chris. And <laughs> that felt like getting a touchdown scored on you on the pick six, the first drive of the, you know. But like, it's funny when you think about it. All your failures are smaller. Um, and it's nice not being under the gun, but on the other side of it, you, we all know this, you can't replace the upside of that thing. And that was the give and take of playing football is like, you're going to have some of the worst days of your life, but the trade-off is some of the best days. So you have to get better at being like this, even keeled if you're a podcaster. And that's what I'm working on. Yeah. But the, man, those negative reviews, those one star, two stars, <laughs> you read a couple of those, man, it, you'll, you'll be hot. You'll be ready to strap the pads on and hit whoever gave you that two star. It's true. You know what? But the better, you know, it's easy to say once you're rolling and everything and you guys have a thing here where you're rolling at and I got a thing that I'm starting to roll at. But like, I just hope if you just try to be yourself, it's kind of self-selective. You know, like on our show, I'm going to try to be myself, you know, and uh, sometimes people don't know how to take that or whatever. But um, if you don't like it, you probably won't listen to the podcast. And that's OK with me. You know what I mean? I think this is about paying the bills and, and having something to do and having fun, like all the things we described. So uh, I actually got off, uh, I deleted Twitter off my phone because I just can't deal with that bullshit. It's like, why give people so much access to like what comes across your desk every day? And it's the same thing with like reading the comments. I do it, but I'm trying to get better about like, just, hey, do you and be proud of the product. And then whatever people think is whatever people think. I mean, like, that's what this thing should be about. My hero. You know, I've got flip phone envy. I wish I could throw away my my everything I have and get a flip phone. That's me what too, I want. dude. I bought one last year, and my wife laughs at me. I do it like once a year. I do this like flip phone thing that I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be like Steve Jobs soon or something. 
<laughs> but you know, weekend you're like, damn, I need my navigation or damn, my Spotify, I can't listen to my music. Even if you get over the hump on Twitter or Instagram, uh, there's a bunch of shit they got you hooked into for. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Let's talk some ball, man. And you played in two Super Bowls, and I'm, I'm just curious how much different is it preparing for that game as opposed to another game, even another playoff game, right? Because you did it two different times, once with Doug Peterson with the Eagles, once with Bill Belichick with the Patriots. Just how different is it ramping up and getting ready to play in a Super Bowl? It's so funny, and y'all know this, different start times – I mean, different start times, different circumstances, you know, we're very routine. Longer halftime. Yeah, longer halftime for sure. Like there's all these little things that go into it that are different. I mean, like I can tell you when I left St. Louis year eight, I mean, Bradford could tell you this, we never played in prime time. So like just to play prime time games was an adjustment. And then in Philly and New England, it was like all of a sudden I had to figure out what I wanted to do for an 8 p.m. Like what was my routine for that? You know, like how much sleep did I want? You know, how did I want to? kind of lay out my day the Super Bowl you can throw all that stuff out the window there is no routine you know it's like you're literally just hitting the curveball and trying to cling to kind of your preparation you know main main event type things that you do um throughout the whole week and that's like you know we used to have a big meeting before preseason you know the whole meeting it's operations like you know what training camp's going to look like and once you get in the league it's you know, X, Y, Z, it's, it's all these things that they have to talk to you about. You have the same meeting before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl week kicks off with like a two and a half, three hour meeting. And then, so then it's go try to win a football game on the run with everybody asking for tickets, new city, weird city, um, curfew, bunch of events you got to go to. Like they tell you it's all about football, but then, you know, I'm going to get fined if I don't go to media day, you know? So it's just, it's a total shit show. I always give this anecdote. I remember my first Super Bowl I got to play in, in Houston for the Patriots. I just wanted to be alone. Like it was like Thursday or whenever we got there, Wednesday, whatever. I go up to my room. I lock the door. I latch it. I turn everything off and I'm just like laying on the bed. You know that moment when you get in your hotel room and it was not peaceful at all. You could hear all the people outside, down outside the hotel you could hear people in the hallway, doors slamming, helicopters outside, shit like that. You just you feel like you're in a fishbowl and you got to maintain that focus and not make a mental error on the biggest stage. So, like, just getting to the game is crazy. But once it starts, you kind of forget the stage you're on until you screw something up between that play and the next. Then you're thinking about, am I tr- like, am I trending right now because I because I dropped somebody in coverage or whatever, whatever you think about after you make a mistake. You know, my parents at the game shaking their head. All that stuff comes about, but it's the week is really long. Yeah. So what's the take us in the timeline? Because it's weird to have the week before the championship game. So you've got like call it a bye week, whatever, not playing, and then you play the weekend after. Is is like a lot of the a lot of the real practice work, game plan and stuff hammered into that first week knowing that it's going to be crazy whenever you finally do travel? Yeah, so a lot of it is actually, you know, and, and I learned the bye thing, like, right off the bat in New England because, you know, like a bye week, what is that? Playoffs, what are, what are those? But, like, a bye week was really illuminating in New England because, like, Bill will try to get a lot of fundamental stuff done 
right off the bat. So like, it's almost like a get back to basics. Let's do some of our really physical stuff. Of course, it's like cold in New England. So you're out there in full pads and, you know, like our CBA now, we don't have to be in pads as much uh, late in the season, which for veterans is, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Like I know how to put my hands on somebody, uh, but for young guys, they need those reps. And so it's a good opportunity to get back to the pads. It's a good opportunity to get back to the basics. And like, it depends on the coach, you know, the coach might phase it upstairs. We're working really hard on getting ahead. If we're the Rams, we're getting hard ahead on Cincinnati red zone or something or some special package they run. And on the field downstairs, everybody's supposed to just hone in for a second on like fundamentals for a day. And then like gradually you get into your, once it gets to game week, again, like for normalcy, you want to have your Wednesday is your inside run day. Your Thursday is your nickel back end day, your sub package day. And then Friday is like your red zone, kind of like just shorts and shoulder pads day. Whatever they do, they try to get right into that like kind of zone for that week. So when we get there, everything might feel crazy, but at least practice feels kind of normal. Was so you, that's kind of what you did with New England. Was it was it similar the next yeah. year? Would yeah. you did the same thing with Philadelphia, kind of the same schedule, same prep? There's little intricate differences, or uh, there's little in- intricate differences. Um, and Doug was certainly less like um, I don't know what the word would be vindictive with the pads uh, <laughs> in that bye week, um, you know. But I think everybody's trying to land that plane, you know, smoothly when you get to wherever you're going, um, and make guys feel like although people are bothering you for tickets, although your hotel's loud as hell, you can't even go get ice without you know, checking with a security guy and that's how you're living all week. Like that's good on a Saturday night, but all week you're doing that, you know, people pulling at you media day, at least, you know, Wednesday it's inside run Thursday. It's, you know, we're going to get our sub stuff done and it's going to feel like home, although it doesn't, but they're trying. So what's it like? I mean, that's the lead up. What's it like whenever it's over and you've won one? I mean, does, does, it seems like the craziness doesn't even stop there. Like you've just, You've just entered yourself into another 10, 14 days of, of insaneness, right? Yeah. So, you know, take your tort all Sunday and, <laughs> and then prepare for like a liver function marathon for the next, you know, eight to 10 days. If you're going to win, I mean, I never lost. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I, hey, I'm on the team, but I never had to deal with losing one. Now, Rob Nickovich told me because um, we were down 28 to three at the half against the Falcons. He was like, let me tell you something. And he said this leading up to the game, to be fair. He was like, Chris, this is going to be the, the best thing that ever happened to you in your life, or it's going to be something that you're never going to live down. He goes, I just want you to know, like, if we lose this, you will wish you never, you will wish we won one game. So I can't tell you what that feels like, but I can tell you what the other thing feels like. And it feels like you're in a movie. Like, it legitimately feels like your character's in a movie, especially winning, like, in a place like Philly, getting to go to that, you know, the parade. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) The the parade is easily – the game is cool. That's amazing. But the parade is the the real deal kind of thing. If they put it on right, if you're in one of those cities – a million people in the streets like you're like we we don't even deserve this but hell yeah this is uh and then you go on vacation and you don't stop and you look back and you go i have not had a night sober in two weeks man i'm 33 years old like leave this to the rookies 
And then it's almost time to report for next year whenever you play yeah. the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you got to get over it because it's really hard to – it's hard to repeat. I saw it firsthand on the Eagles. I didn't get a chance to try to repeat in New England because I left them free agency. But, like, in Philly, I learned pretty quick what everybody talks about, you know, that it, it's different the next year. You know, it's not – I'm not saying we weren't we weren't trying to be ready, but – there's an art to that. There's like, it's an art and a science, you know what I mean? And they got it down up in new England. And that's why I think the amazing thing about new England isn't the fact that they've been so good, but it's that they've been good every year. They've been able to get up off the, the, the mat and go back and win or lose the next Super Bowl. Most teams don't even make the playoffs. It feels like. So you, you won Super Bowl 51 with the Patriots and that crazy comeback against the Falcons. Yeah. Then the next year, you turn around, you win Super Bowl 52 with the Eagles against the Patriots. Like, how, how weird was that where, hey, you had just won the Super Bowl with this team. Now you're playing them in the Super Bowl. Were you, were you just trying to remember everything you could about that Patriots defense and trying to give it to your teammates? Like, what, what was that like? It's so funny because people always – all of a sudden, everybody's attention's turned to you. Like, give us the book on beating the Patriots. I'm like, hey, man. Uh, many have tried, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, all those head coaches that leave there and can't beat the Patriots. You expect me to give you like a couple tips and we're going to go, you know what I mean? So the keys full pads on Wednesday, right? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, key. Full pads on Wednesday. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's having like the best D line in history, you know, that, 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 that helps too. Uh, and then you, you got to hope for some other things to fall. But honestly, it's one of those things you forget so much about. I've been in so many schemes in my career. I, you know, I don't know about y'all trying to remember. I'm sure there's strangely things y'all remember from your OU days that you remember a call or something, but not the whole damn playbook. And especially not like New England, as complex as they are defensively. You know, I kind of keep things as simple as I can up front. I know the basics. I know like, hey, I know what safety's down. I know the down and distance. Uh, I, I know any number of variable, you know, run schemes I could get. And I've watched a lot of film, but I'm not going to know all the, the secondary calls and all that shit. So I don't think I was too helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so like dudes were like, we got the secret weapon. What do you know? I was like, uh, I don't know. Like they, they don't I like think, to run by, I they think like to run by the safeties high in, in cover twos. What we yeah, usually I'll do. tell you. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's three of them in cover three. <laughs> So what was that like? The comeback was incredible. What was the swing of emotion like where it looks like we're going to get routed and then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We got yeah. something here and then it's a, a freight train. The Super Bowl feels like it's like six hours long. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's the one big difference because of what you mentioned, Teddy, like the halftime, but also the just the magnitude of the whole thing, I think kind of, in some ways, you feel like you're out there and it's so intense. It's like your dog on the highway and cars are just flying by. But in some ways, the damn game takes seven hours. There's so many swings of momentum 
and, and emotion because of long breaks and stuff. And uh, I mean, at halftime, it felt like I was on, you know, the only New England team that ever got blew out in the Super Bowl. Like, hey, I played my whole life. I want to cash it in and win, you know. Um, and my two teams that it came down to for me and free agency were New England and Atlanta. And I remember thinking, like, I am such a dumbass. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, funny. I mean, like, I wasn't, like, actively having those thoughts. But, you know, when you're on the football field, it's crazy some of the thoughts you have. And I'm sitting there with Ninko, and we're just like, damn, dude, and we going to the half. And another thing was, at this point in the playoffs, all year I had kind of been a three technique, kind of undersized three technique for them, and I kick out to right end to rush on third down. You know, hey, whatever it takes. Um, but in the playoffs, I became more of just the nickel guy. So I was like just a sub guy, um, depending on the run schemes we saw. We couldn't even get the third down. I think I played four snaps. So I like waited my whole life to be in a game like this. And you're like, damn, we're not only getting dusted off. I'm like not even sweating. And so just coming out in the second half, trying to just as a player – compartmentalize that stuff and just play your ass off like that's all you can do we went into the half and I don't know if everybody believed it in there but guys were talking like we were going to win that game now me I'm a realist and I'm somebody who does things one thing at a time you know and uh I'm looking around like <laughs> talking about <laughs> we're coming back like let's get a stop let's like <laughs> let's score get the third down let's get the third down so I can play <laughs> um <laughs> And I'll always remember, Bill was so calm. Like, Bill was so like this. And, again, like, most coaches are going to save their best speech for that situation. But he was just – he was kind of like, hey, stick to the script. Let's do what we do and let's not make mistakes. We're going to make the adjustments we make. We came out there. We got good fortune in a couple turnovers, and they really kind of tricked it off. And we didn't make mistakes. And uh, that was the – that's credit to Tom and to Bill. Like, nobody panicked. And that was because of those two guys. You, you mentioned Tom Brady. When, when you're in that situation, because you, I, I've heard guys talk about it before, and it's just like when that dude's on your team, like you, you just never feel like you're out of it, even when you're, you feel like you're getting routed in the Super Bowl in the first half. Is that, is that how it felt? Well, it's funny. It's so hard to break the habit of losing. Like, I, you know, me coming from where I came from, we don't come back when it's 28-3. We don't come back when it's 10-3, like where I've been. So, you know, I think maybe part of it is the repetition of being in situations where you actually win makes the entire team believe. You know what I mean? And, and they do that as Tom, you know, kind of grows up right before their eyes. And if you've been on a Tom Brady team, you've seen him do something amazing. So, like, it's just muscle memory. Like, teams have muscle memory. If you're on a team that blows a lot of leads, if you're on a team that turns the ball over a lot in the second half, if you're on a team that's, you know, eventually gets the ball run up their ass, like in the second half, that's in your muscle memory. And like, I don't know, people don't decide to suck, but I am saying that, you know, like on certain teams, it is embedded in like, this is what we do. And I think in that team, there's no quit embedded in them because they're never out of it. Like, cause they're truly not out of it. And that's what you saw in the, you know, with Tom in Tampa against L.A., they came up just short. But um, they didn't even play well in the second half against Tampa. Like, they made a lot of mistakes and still came back and won that game. Now, L.A. was really bad in the second half, but that's the, the opportunity Tom gives you. What's his process like? Is it is it truly, like, different than anyone else you've seen, like the way he, he goes about offseason, 
in season, like his, he's very meticulous with his, his water consumption and rest and like every, yeah. every little detail. Yeah. I think he's, it is the, you know, like for him to win seven rings or whatever, like that's a perfect storm. You know, it's, it's Tom, it's where he was. It's, you know, the, the good luck it's, you know, things going his way, but he's also, even if, you know, without all those rings, he's like the preparation goat as well. Um, he really is. Uh, he has kind of taken ownership of every part of his life, it feels like. And one thing that people don't think about when they get in the NFL, a lot of young, talented guys, um, is that work doesn't stop when you when you leave the building. Like, you don't go back to your apartment anymore and play Xbox. Like, you know, you're going to have a lot of choices and you're going to have opportunities to invest in yourself as a pro all year long. And Tom has seized like every one of those opportunities for 20 years. Now that takes like a lot of focus. It takes a lot of like not getting bored with it, but I think more than anything, it just takes like wanting it really bad, like on a psychotic level. Cause we all know there's, there's a line between like working your ass off and being a little crazy. Um, and this guy has towed that line and he's also worked smart. So the guy's just the complete package in every way. I mean, and that's why you see seven rings. I mean, if he was not maybe the preparation goat, he might have three rings. If he was not, you know, physically obsessed with pliability and endurance and longevity, maybe he has three rings, but he, he combined all those things, like the mental, the physical and the leadership. You know, the guy's a leader and guys love him on his on his team. Like any guy that played with him loves this guy. You think he's actually done? So I didn't believe it when he retired. Um, it came out of left field, especially because like somebody like him, you would think it would have like a victory tour. Wouldn't you think? I mean. I definitely yeah. earned one. That's for damn yeah. sure. He's so intentional about everything, dude. Like you're going to tell me he just changed his mind in December. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. And so initially I thought when they leaked that stuff, I thought nobody scoops Tom Brady, dude. Like nobody scoops Tom Brady. Like Tom, no, nobody has the balls to scoop Tom Brady. Well, maybe Schefter, but Darlington was like kind of his guy. So I was thinking maybe this was a setup and we were all going to lean in and then he was going to have like a Bitcoin commercial at the, during the Super Bowl. <laughs> Or like a I'm coming back commercial and I'm launching a production company, like something to make him richer and, you know, more successful. And we all just lean in and eat it up. But maybe, maybe not. Well, he, it, it took him about a week to say, you know, never say never, you know, which it's like, you know, you yeah, haven't they, even completed if, the retirement speech yet. If, and if you say never say never, like it's over, dude you're back. I mean, like you're, you're, you're mentally at least back. Okay. But before we, you know, talk Super Bowl 56, you won two of them. Did they feel the same? Like, is it, is it different or because it's a completely different group of guys? Like, yeah. What was different between the two Super Bowl wins? They're, they're both incredible. They're both like the, the deepest bond you could, you know, form with a fan base or, a, you know, teammates and the whole experience is just like, whoa, holy shit. But the, for me, you know, like everybody, if they get a chance to win too, like luckily for me, 
I got a chance to win two back to back, but they were very different experiences for me. One was, Hey, I had been on IR for a couple of years. I got cut. Like I was a captain of my team. And then I get cut within two years because of injuries. And you're just like, dude, I've had some shitty luck. You know, I've been very blessed and fortunate, but I've also had some shitty football luck here. I just need to cash it in. I don't care if I'm playing a lot. I don't care if it's the right situation for me. I'm ring chasing. And so that was like the New England feeling was it was like a relief for me. It was like such a relief that like, okay, my career is not a failure. You know, like individual successes are great, but I wanted to win. So it's not a failure. And there was a big release, but like to go win in Philly, like I went to Philly because I wanted to have fun and finish my career, like kind of on my terms, schematically. And we weren't picked to be in the top 10. We weren't picked to be in the top 15. We weren't picked to be in the top two thirds of the league. So for us to win that championship, especially losing Carson, that whole thing, the city never having won one before, we weren't favored in any of our postseason games. Like, holy shit, that felt like, when I say like, felt like a movie, like that felt like a movie. We just felt like kind of we were that team. And, uh, you know, you guys know Lane and ask Lane about like just how deep that thing runs, man. Like that, that championship run, it's just like, it's burnt in your brain. That was one of the most intense months of our lives, like ever. And um, so Philly felt a little different just because of, of the whole, how it happened and, you know, the city it happened in. I mean, New England, they, they, they do that every year. You know, the parade runs very smoothly. They have the route picked out, the whole thing. Philly was like, hey, we hadn't thought about this parade. <laughs> it, was kind of this, it was awesome all the same. Well, I, I got to imagine the kind of a two-parter, you know, because of going there with not really ring expectations and wanting to have fun was it had to be more enjoyable for the ride, like getting there. It's like, oh, my God, we found something here. This is crazy. But also, like when you were there in the game, were you able like the week how, how you talked about you couldn't sit down and, and relax on that first and the second time around, were you able to like maybe enjoy the moment a little bit more? I think it's more like, well, and it's cool in one way because you go from the first time I'm the guy who I've never won. Like everybody knows like, Hey, if you know me, you know where we've been, you know how bad the Rams were. So that was like, I was ring chasing. So, so that's kind of one, one way of looking at it. And then the second time around, you know, um, Everyone's think, coming to you for, for answers, right? That, like, that's the whole thing. Like everybody all of a sudden is like, what's the key? <laughs> and um, I'm trying to remember this, the, the first rookie that walked up to me and like kind of cornered me for questions. I'm like, I told people the same thing, like that I would tell y'all, which is it really doesn't matter how much experience you have. It honestly like turn on the playoffs every, every, every postseason. Somebody who's never been in the postseason makes a big play. A rookie makes a big play. A veteran makes a huge mistake. So I think sometimes all you need to hear from somebody who's been there is that this is no different. You know, like we, in this case, we were playing the Patriots. We put our pants on the same way they do. I've probably been there, dude. Like I've been there. And that defense is not the defense we had. And that was a lot of the reason we were able to beat that team. But I think sometimes it's the kind of the stability of having a vet who's been there whether they were there for the first time a year ago um, or if they were like a New England guy who's seen it four times, it's all about execution. 
And it's about like, who's not trying to do too much because you'll sit there in a playoff game and be like, I've been waiting my whole life to play in a playoff game. And then you'll jump out of your gap trying to do too much or run by the quarterback. And then you end up making the big mistake. You know, it's your job to step up when it's time to step up. And I think that was the big message, but that was a big difference for me. It was more fun. Cause I kind of was like, people respected where you've been. And that was cool. It was like, it was easy for me to lead, you know, as, as an older guy in that locker room. Second part is because you guys weren't really, the expectation thing was different. And then it's like almost all of a sudden you found yourself like, Hey, we may make a run kind of like Cincinnati this year. That's exactly kind of the same thing with that fan base to where uh, they're in the middle of a rebuild maybe. And then all of a sudden they're in a super bowl, like, if they win it, it's probably going to be – there's going to be a lot of similarities to, to Philly. So I, it's just kind of interesting to see how that's played out. It is so interesting. And I said this last week on the show. I was like, man, I was trying to think of who Cincinnati's fan base reminds me of. And um, it really is the Eagles. Like, And I don't mean this and that I, I figure I know what the hell they're about or anything. I just mean really passionate fan bases – who have been close, like they've been close since he's been close. Like they had a whole era where they were close. And then the Andy Reid Eagles, as close as they were, just starved for a championship and then happened to have, you know, this kind of team that's got this swagger about them where people, like they blink a little bit when they play the the Bengals. Like the Bengals don't blink, like for some reason, you know, like they, I had them last year, I had their, their over win total. So it was like four and a half or five and a half or something. And they should have won eight games. They should have won nine games. They should have won 10 games. But they were like just short. They just made like one mistake too many or whatever. And what a year under, you know, their belt with Joe gave them was like they just became this team that believes and don't make, you know, the stupid mistakes more often than not. And even if they do, like Burrow threw a pick last week late, they just have this, we got this attitude. And it all starts with, the guy under center, like his, he's the, the, the bravest dude on the field. <laughs> like, I really think he'd stare down a tank. Like he's just, he's nuts. You can see it in his eyes. I mean, and, and I think that's what makes them special. And it does remind me of Philly. I think all of us are big Joe Burrow guys. Uh, yeah. Love the way he plays, but the Rams did draft you second overall back in 08. I, I know that was St. Louis. Yeah, you were there eight yeah, years. They moved to LA. Like, is is there a big part of you that's like you want to see the Rams win a Super Bowl, or is is that really not a factor? It's not because of the St. Louis thing. Like, you know, like I'm kind of loyal, and St. Louis, they don't like that the Rams left. So it's been an awkward thing. You know, it was kind of messed up. It was messed up, and like the way they rolled out, and and just so. The fans, I, I can never, like, jump off my couch rooting for the L.A. Rams. But I do root for a lot of the players. I root for a lot of the guys on the team. You know how that is. You know, Aaron Donald's a, a you know, a buddy. And he's he's a guy who I saw as a rookie come in and outwork every veteran on the team. I want to see him get a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That, if I, at the end of the game, you know, see Joe Burrow throw a game-winning touchdown, the one thing that was, is going to really suck about that whole – sequence is going to be Johnny Hecker, you know, Aaron Donald, some of the staff people on that, on that team, you know, I, I know a lot of them well, but no allegiance to the Rams. It's interesting. You know, you've got 
a lot of those guys obviously been there, but you know, Stafford comes in and it's weird to think with how experienced he is, how much, how much time he's been in the league and you compare him to Joe Burrow who won a national championship. Like here he is in the Super Bowl. Like it feels like the guy with all the pressure on him in this situation is Matt Stafford. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's what okay. it feels like. It's like, Oh, oh my God. Listen, you're hosting the Super Bowl in your new stadium. You've burnt all your draft capital. Like you've burnt the ships. And uh, maybe they believe they can keep burning them perpetually, but like they don't believe in draft capital. Uh, you came over from Detroit. You've been fighting this whole narrative. The middle of your season, people said, no, nope, he's who we thought he was because I think he was hurt, honestly. Um, and you've dealt with all this to go on this perfect run in the playoffs. And the harsh reality of knowing even doing that, if you lose this game, a lot of people are going to say, told you so. That's what's, that's what's, that's, that's the game. Like that's the business and that's kind of what's unfair about it. And I think a lot of that pressure, as you pointed out, is on, on Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow's got more playoff wins, right? They're just, yeah, but they're just letting (laughs) it fly, man. Like, like they're just not, they're not thinking. And I think they're like, it's who blinks. And I don't know. I hope Matt doesn't blink, but there's a lot of pressure, as you said. So Rams are a four point favorite. Just, just from listening to you talk about Burrow and the Bengals, like it sounds, sounds like you like Cincinnati, huh? So I like them catching four. I do like them catching four. And I actually like the under, um, I think big questions, obviously the front, you know, if you can, like it's it doesn't have to look like Tennessee to to lose you the game. You know, Tennessee was a disaster. Like they got their asses handed to them in Tennessee. The reason I didn't worry about them so much last week is, you know, the Chiefs, they don't really rush four conventionally as well as like a Tennessee, but LA rushes four conventionally just as well as Tennessee. So they have to figure something out there. Um, that secondary has got to keep playing big. And, hey, if you can pressure Stafford with four, because you know you don't want to blitz Stafford, if Trey and those guys can go off, which I think they can, they can keep this game low scoring and tight. Um, And I like them against the spread. I don't want to give out my winner yet because I'll change my mind three times by Sunday. (laughs) do Do you do any of the prop bets or any of that stuff? Yes, I'm just trying to get more into it. But, like, um, I don't know, this weekend, I'm trying to think of one that I might like, but I like the crazy ones, you know, like Gatorade and shit like Orange. That. Orange. Yeah. I had a friend. I was with him. We were in Las Vegas, and he bet on the first score being a safety whenever they snapped it over Peyton Manning's head. It was awesome. How much, like, how much did that pay out? It, it wasn't as crazy as you would think it, it should oh, yeah, have been. First score safety, probably like plus 700 or something, plus 800. Yeah, it was – it may not have even been that much, but it was – It was. I was like, I can't believe that that's happened. The, that's that's still really, amazing. Yeah. That'll have that guy gambling through losses for six months. That's oh, well, like that one hit of dopamine is going to keep you going, man. That's what it's well, all that, about. <laughs> I'll just say this. That was a good sign for him for the rest of that weekend. I'll just say oh, that. Nice. Good. <laughs> good. Good. If he's listening, I'm sure it's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There, There is 
last time Rams played in the Super Bowl, right? And they, they have a few guys that were on that team that played played in that game. But the big storyline after it was Sean McVay, right? And, and him talking about, I don't know, basically like questioning everything about himself and, and his approach to that game. And basically Belichick just broke him. Yeah. What do you, do you think he gained like valuable experience from that? Or do you think that's something that maybe works against him? All depends on your mindset. I really do believe that. I think if he's who, who I believe he is mentally, uh, he's going to have gotten something out of that. But obviously if, if you, uh, if you're struggling with that loss in an unhealthy way, that could certainly put more pressure on you. I mean, especially considering you know the guy across from you here in Zach Taylor. Um, I do think one big thing for McVeigh is it would have been really bad had he lost Kyle last week. Again, you know, this was what, seven and ten times? You know, they're buddies and everything, but eventually that shit's not funny. And, uh, and especially because of somebody in division and you finally have your Matt Stafford the thing that has been holding you back has been Jared Goff. Like, that's what everybody knows. So now you have everything you need and you fail. So I really think that that win last week was big. I, I think this is a huge legacy le- legacy game for, for McVay, no questions asked. I mean, like, I mean, to be there twice, you're getting into – it's funny, you're getting into, like, Bill's territory here in the early 90s, and I'm not being funny. I, like, I really like Sean McVay, but if they lose again, it's going to be tough on him. Yeah. You, do you, you think this thing with Cincy is like a sustainable, they're here to stay, uh, you know, and, and who knows, like, like you mentioned, it's hard to go like back to back. I don't think anyone's picking that we'll be picking them as a Super Bowl favorite next year, even if they win the thing. But yeah. you see this thing with, especially with Joe Burrow and some of the good young skill guys they got is this is a sustainable long-term type of football team. Yeah. Cause they have this really unique, you know, sequence that they hit, on you know they they went chase over protection for the guy who quite got frankly, hammered but, about hammered got, for it too got, got hammered for it got they got hammered for it he's been hit hard he's been hurt um, but now they have the luxury to make that pick um, with this great foundation under them as a team as an offense and like they can go beef up the offensive line now. Um, you've got a bunch of, you know, pass catchers on rookie deals. You have a quarterback on a rookie deal. He also is from Ohio. Like he's from like right down the road. So you got to figure if they get this thing rolling, he's that rare kind of psycho. That's like, I don't care. Like let's keep everybody fed. I really do think, you know, again, like Trey Hendrickson on defense, they've got a nice little window here the next five years. It's, we say this about every team that gets hot with a young quarterback. We said this about the Chiefs. How many will they win? Three or four or like whatever. You see it's been one. You see how hard it is. But I think the Bengals have an opportunity here. Earlier you mentioned, you know, talking to young guys about playing in the Super Bowl, how you, you'll see an unexpected guy make a play. Yeah. Right? Who, who's a guy or maybe two that – you could see having kind of a surprising impact in this one? Man, I could see Greg Gaines having a big impact. Um, Greg Gaines, 
interior rusher, not just because he's 91 for the Rams. Uh, I was about to say. He's, he's, he's another white guy. Just, <laughs> just pick the white number 91 for the Rams. I, I think it's – um, I think Greg Gaines, because he plays opposite Aaron. I don't know how they're going to game plan Aaron. Um, you know, they're going to throw a whole host of bodies at him. Um, guy looks like, like John Wick out there, just like fighting 10 dudes on the field. <laughs> I mean, that's – some of these blocking schemes are ridiculous. And so – Greg Gaines cleans up, but he's also a really good player in his own right. And the most vulnerable spot for me, when you look at the Bengals, their protection is in interior. I mean, you can survive at tackle. You've got one tackle who plays at a pretty high level or relatively high level. The other guys had trouble. And, you know, um, when you can throw a chipper at that guy, you can, you can do a whole lot of things, but if guards are struggling, um, and you've got two guys inside that are dominant. I think Greg Gaines could be a big swing guy here. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a good pick. All right, b- before we let you get out of here, man, uh, how, how can our listeners support your foundation? Uh, I know that means a lot to you. You've done a great job with Water Boys over the years. So yep. h- how can they? How can they donate? Yep, I appreciate it. Um, ChrisLongFoundation.org. Um, waterboys.org we're actually just rolling out rolling out a new site so that'll be up soon um but yeah we do clean water initiatives we do um domestic work as well so we have a hometown h2o deal as well so we might be doing some projects in oklahoma at some point here um we've done them out here at home in texas and all around so we're doing some domestic work international work and there's uh, educational information on on the stuff we do with educational equity on the site as well Nice, man. Well, appreciate the time. Hopefully, we'll go to a music festival again together soon. Dude, yeah, Bonnaroo's lineup was so freaking great last year, and then it got canceled, and now this lineup looks really cheeks. <laughs> this, this lineup is like a kid lineup. It's like all for 22-year-olds. We're too old, dude. That's dude, the problem. we're getting old, man. <laughs> That's the problem. All right, well, I'll see you on the farm. All right, boy. Thank you. Right, see you. Chris is such a cool guy. I wish I was as cool as him. He's awesome. Smooth. Very, very smooth. He also was a really good football player. Oh, excellent football player. A couple of Super Bowl rings. uh, Was made to play the position. Just say that right there. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're a Hall of Famer son. Right. Sometimes (laughs) it's in the card. That's how it goes. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized, slip-resistant, decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 
294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. And your boy's getting inducted to the Bishop McGinnis Athletic Hall of Fame. What? Just found what? out. Or I've, I've known for a while, but the, you want to know something bad? Like, they just let me know the date. I'm going to be out of town. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. But it's still awesome. I'm so excited. My first oh, Hall of Fame, Ted. That's awesome. Man, that sucks that you're going to miss the ceremony. It'll be all right. It's, Don't they, can't they move it? Like, if, if you're going into the Hall of Fame? I think there's a lot of people going in. It's not like just me. So, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm just thrilled to be in it, baby. I'm just okay. thrilled to be in it. Let's go. And you, and you can't change to... your travel plans? No. Caroline said no. <laughs> <laughs> you know Fair how enough. it goes. Fair enough. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Shockingly, I've got to go with Antonio Brown. Um, very interesting. He is now the president of Kanye West's newly founded Donda Sports Organization. And one of his first duties is he's going to be whining and dining people at the Super Bowl in the $2.2 million presidential suite and with a bunch of tickets also for the Super Bowl. Um, like, I don't know what he's going to do as the president of this, uh, this sports organization, but he's starting it off being able to go in style to the Super Bowl. That's a win in my book. I, I agree. That sounds awesome. Like, he's not having to pay for the suite, right? The, it, it, Kanye's company is paying for it, I assume? I'm, has to be. Has to be. I could be wrong, but um, Antonio Brown in a $2 million suite at the Super Bowl, what could go wrong, right? Oh, and how about this? Antonio Brown added that Donda Sports will be hosting community events during Super Bowl weekend in Los Angeles with plans to invite kids and their families to the game. Okay, I'm changing my, my tune on this. That sounds kind of great. Good for you, Antonio Brown. I, it, it has the chance to be good. But, I, dude, it's Antonio Brown. How yeah. bad can it be? That's what I'm saying. It can be really, really bad. But hopefully, it turns out good. I, if they're gonna do this thing and make it something that ends up being really positive, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm down for it. I, I think it could be great. I am just a little bit worried. Kanye West and Antonio Brown. There's some serious volatility there. Okay, but. For this first move, Antonio Brown, who got released from a football team for taking his pads off and dancing off the field not very long ago. Okay, that's the same guy we're talking about. So, you know, just I'm excited for him. I'm jealous. That's going to be awesome. Just do the right thing. Prop bet. How many times do they show Antonio Brown in the suite? They got to show him at least once. And I guess another prop bet, will he be shirtless at some point? 
the first one is it's a guarantee that they're going to show him. The second one, like if they show him twice, the first one will be normal. The second one will be shirtless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I don't know why the NFL continues to do this. And I know they're trying to expand the NFL's reach, expand their their fan bases, people watching the sport. Uh, over the next four seasons, the NFL is going to play four games in Germany. I think two in Munich and two in Frankfurt, I believe. Also, games coming up in uh, in Mexico City. But I the drive the flight to England to play in a football game has to be a tough one. Germany's just going to be that much more difficult for the guys. I feel the losers, the guys that have to go play in those Germany games. Have, have you been to Munich? Never. I went, we, we went and picked up my sister-in-law. She was studying abroad in Germany. Mm -hmm. Place is fun. I I, went to a, I went to a Hofbra house and like, like one of the, one of the real, real ones. Like it's like this big, like beer hall got me some schnitzel. And I also decided it was a good idea to order a Stein, like the biggest beer they have of like all of the signature beers that they make. That my friend was a mistake because I have never been drunker on beer in my entire life than that. They're like 18% alcohol, aren't they? It was, it was a struggle getting out of there. Like, (laughs) And I, I was big too. Like I was still playing. I was, you know, three Oh five. It was, I, I stood up and I was like, I have made, I've made a calculated mistake, but I bounced back. I didn't, I didn't black out. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It was, well, I know when they did NFL Europe, the Germany teams had great fan uh, buy-in. And I think they even continued playing some, uh, professional football to some level over there, and they may still do it, but uh, I I think they'll be heavily attended, and I think it's probably going to be uh, like a huge party. But I feel bad for the players that have to go over there during the season in the middle of a grind. Yeah, and by players, I'm, I guess I mean Jacksonville players because isn't that who it's going to be? Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I played in the London game, and, and we went for an entire week, and. It was a grind on our liver, and we got beat by Jacksonville. So, <laughs> yeah. Home games, man. It's hard to beat the home team. Oh, we won the <laughs> drinking battle, though. I guarantee you that. All right. If you are, speaking of drinking, if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones, Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. 
to find a liquor store that has it. Visit balconiesdistilling.com. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all of your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Arkansas basketball. Knocked off number one Auburn. Head coach for the Hogs, Eric Musselman, took his shirt off in the celebration when the fans stormed the court. I don't know how he got it off. He had a sling on because he just had rotator cuff surgery, but somehow removed the shirt. How do we feel about that? Is that okay? Are we okay with that? Man, listen, college basketball needs anything that makes it more fun. That's true. It's an inferior product to the NBA. If, If the coach taking his shirt off, Makes it more fun and more entertaining. Rip that bad boy off, must bus. Keep doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. But for for my winner of the week, by the way, did you see them storm the court? It was like a strobe light. That guy dunked and then like, sw- oh, what a cool ending to that game. That was it awesome. Went, it's like the fastest court storming I've ever seen. That was It's it was almost impressive. as if they told everyone over the, the intercom, we're storming the court as soon as the final bucket, everyone get ready instead of telling them to stay off the court. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I respect the efficiency. Uh, I'm sure they got a fine coming their way, but I'm sure Arkansas is like, if you're going to earn it, earn it. Absolutely. Right? But my winner of the week, Kyler Murray, I think all publicity yeah. is good publicity. Pub- pub- yeah, I could say that word. Publicity, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing what you can do just by unfollowing someone. He had everyone talking about him when, so he unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals on Twitter and Instagram. He also removed any Cardinals related pictures from his accounts. I'm not sure if he's mad. I'm not sure if his social media manager accidentally, accidentally just hit the wrong button. I don't know what's going on, but Everyone's talking about Kyler Murray, and right now, no one's really talking about how he bad he played in that playoff game anymore. They're talking about what what's the next move. Like, is he going to go play baseball is now the conversation around <laughs> Kyler. And Too bad for a strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, I was like, yeah, maybe he's angling. He's using the A's as leverage. I was like, I guess he could, but you know that they're not. Well, they may be playing baseball by the time everyone's ready to report for NFL. I don't know where that negotiation's at, but it's wild, man. I mean, he's made a couple Pro Bowls. They've been pretty good now. They have have really petered down the stretch, right? But it's not like he played great in the playoff game. I mean, he didn't. Uh, Things did not go well against the Rams, but... Is he really like, is he that upset or is this? It, there's no doubt in my mind that the Cardinals were exercised his fifth year option 
coming up here. But is he is this him angling for a long term extension because he is eligible for a contract extension this offseason? Is that what this is all about? Like, I'm just a little confused, but everyone's talking about him. So he's the winner of the week for me. My my answer is it's got to be him angling for a big extension. And there's no easier way than to get the the team a little bit worried about what your your goals are, or where, where you what you intend to do, than by just making a quick little easy move on social media. And I'm sure they're ready to get to the table and figure out what the problem is. So, yeah, I I, I can't imagine that he's like what could have happened to where he's like honestly upset and says he's not going to play there. Right. I, I don't know. I know they, they didn't play well down the stretch, but they ended up getting beat up by injuries and think that was the biggest factor down the stretch. And yeah, I mean, come on, the Rams are, they're in the Super Bowl for a reason. That's a really, really good football team. I think the Cardinals and Kingsbury, I think they've done a really good job. Yeah. They just, they they haven't had playoff success. So I I don't know, but I I love the drama. I'm not gonna lie. Like NFL quarterbacks are turning into NBA players. And that that stuff's entertaining. I would uh, the baseball thing is awesome too. I would love if he tried to pull the baseball card. That would be amazing. That would yeah, that'd give us a lot of content. Do it, Kyler. Do it. All right, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with Oklahoma City Thunder fans, and I include myself in that. So, <laughs> lost to the Raptors on Wednesday night, but went to the game Monday night. And Clay Thompson, he did it again. He he ripped our hearts out on Monday night. Hit a couple dagger threes late in that game to put the Thunder away. Gave us all flashbacks of Game Six in 2016. I literally like he hit the first one, and I like shivered a little bit. Dead. I was like, oh, and then he hit the next one, and I was like, oh, 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 it was, it was painful. It's good to see him out there. He's so likable. It's good to see him out there again. You know, with the, he's had the ACL, and before that, it was the Achilles. Like, it's been a rough ride for Clay Thompson, but it hurt my soul watching him hit shots in that building again. Am I crazy, or did he hit eleven threes in that game? Is that the number he hit? It was something absurd like that. Just think. Think about the butterfly effect if he doesn't have that insane game in game six in 2016. Like, what what happens with Golden State? What happens with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Like, that game, it totally changed the entire landscape of the NBA. All of it. That one game. It's crazy. Yeah. He had 41 points. Awesome. 14 of 31 from the field. He was 11 of 18 from three. It's insane. <sighs> okay, that's enough about that. Also, also thought about going with whoever stole Perry on Winfrey stuff in Dallas. Yeah, what the heck's going on with that? Uh, hopefully, Perry on is scheduled to join us on Sunday. Hopefully, he has his stuff by then, but I don't know if this person knows anything about Perry on Winfrey, but he's pretty, he's pretty high on the list of people for me 
that I would not steal stuff from. I'm just saying. He's a big, scary man. I, I'm out. I'm out. I did, so, and also, what are you going to do with it? You can't sell it to like a memorabilia place. They're like, hey, where'd you get this? Oh, I stole it from him. It's like, oh, then he's going to come looking for me. No, 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 no. I'm out. This is the bad thing. It's probably someone that I don't know how it got stolen, but probably grabbed it before they knew what it was. And by the time they figured out what it was, it's like, I can't have this and just dumped it somewhere. So I don't know. I hope he gets it back, but I hope he doesn't kill someone in that process. Yeah. Seems like a bad idea. Uh, Perion will be smart about it. He'll be smart about it. Uh, there's no doubt, but give him his stuff back. You thief. Yeah. That but, sucks. Cause he won the MVP man. Yeah. And he had the Jersey signed by all the other guys in the game. Like, Oh, thieves are the worst. Okay. But my loser of the week, this is, this is a personal one. Okay. Okay. So my loser of the week is me uh, because my mental well-being right now heading into this weekend, we're not in a good place, Ted. Oh, we, no. are, we are not in a good place. So let me break it down. Let me explain it for you. We are going to Colorado tomorrow. Okay. I will be skiing for the first time in my entire life this weekend. I went and got all the gear, so at least I'll be looking good. I'll be warm, right? Got the jacket, mm-hmm. got the gloves, base layer. We're good. Goggles, helmet, I'm looking good. Nothing too obnoxious, simple. Blacks and grays, blacks and grays. Smart. That's what my ski gear is. But so I went that, went to River Sport OKC. They've got like a a ski simulator in there. I was like, I want to get on some skis just to feel what it feels like. And it's like a little, it's basically a gigantic treadmill that they can change the angle on. And it's like turf, misted turf that's supposed to feel like snow. So I go to River Sport OKC. I'm getting some pointers from the guy that's running the machine. Shout out to that guy. He said he listens to the pod. You're the awesome. man, dude. But I'm on there. I'm doing it. I fell once, you know, trying some things, right? Fell once. I was a little heavy, I think, kind of stuck every once in a while, but got some confidence. I was like, okay, I think when we get on snow, because I was with a bunch of people, that have skied before and they're like, this is actually harder than skiing. Like skiing isn't this hard on your legs because I basically had to pizza real hard because I was so heavy to get me up the little conveyor belt. And that way I could come down and, you know, try some turns and and things like that. But then this week I watched Michaela Schifrin and this woman is like the best slalom skier in the world, maybe the best slalom skier ever. She couldn't even stay on the course. She's on skis. She's one of the best skiers on planet Earth, and she can't even control the skis. And now I'm watching it, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I know I don't, I'm not going to have the pressure of the Olympics. I'm not going to be going through some giant slalom course. I understand that. But I see that, and I'm like, this looks really hard. I had the confidence. I was going into it. I was like, let's roll. I'm going to kill this. Yeah, Cloud9, Aspen, I'm coming for you. Afterwards, little buzz, coming down the blue. We're good. I'm doing it. No fear. Let's go. And then I watched that, and I started doubting everything. I was like, yeah, if, she, well, if, if she can't do it, what? It, I, I, had, I had it in my mind. It was going to go very well. And then I saw her sit there for like, if she sat there for like 15 minutes contemplating her life. What'd she say? This makes me second guess like the last 15 years was the quote. 
in the, the you know the post race interview. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about that. What they're doing is it's not even close to the same thing you're going to be doing. I know that, but don't even watch that. You should okay. not even look at that. Okay? okay, you should not do that at all. And my first piece of advice is: Have you been to Aspen before? This is your first time skiing, so you've never skied there, right? I have. I've only been there in the summer. I've never been when it's snowing. You stay at Snowmass. Do not go to was it Ajax and Highland Park? Is that the other two right next to the town? I, I was told that I will be starting with our instructor on buttermilk. I don't Buttermilk's know what that great means. too. Buttermilk is great too. That's a good place. Okay. Th- that's where you guys, that's where you, that's need where to I stay. live. You, you live at buttermilk or snow mass Ajax, or I think the other one's Highland Highland something that's, that's tough. You go slow, give it time. It's going to take you a while to just get your legs under you and, and understand it. You're going to have an instructor that's going to be good and, and get you going, but just slow play it. Like that's the biggest thing. Don't have, so do not watch the Olympics because you're going to expect to be able to do something similar to that. And it's not going to, you're going to get really frustrated at yourself, slow, big, wide turns. And as you get better, you can narrow them down and you'll be able to go faster and faster. But here's the other thing. And a lot of people do not realize this because most of the people that you're going to go skiing with are going to weigh half the amount that you do, right? And when you are stopping in every turn that you do is going to be like squatting 300 pounds. It's, it's going to wear you out. So don't listen to them. Go slow. Take your time. The faster you go, like the harder it is on your legs to stop, but you'll, You'll do fine. You're an athlete. Okay. You, you've built me back up. Yeah. I, I, it's not that I think I could do the, the stuff that Schifrin was trying to do. It's the fact that she's so good at skiing and she still couldn't like keep it between the navigational beacons, right? Keep it between the buoys, you know? So that's where I was uh, like, no, Oh boy. I, I'm telling you though, if you like go look down, like just stand on the edge of what they're doing, that is a slope that is about like, this and they are making turns on it like it's insane it does not do it justice from what you would look at and stare down it's I, amazing i i will have a full report on on when we record sunday night one more piece of advice okay i'll take all the there, advice i can get there's a really cool app there's probably a bunch of them now i haven't been skiing in a while but it's got a GPS on it and it'll have all of the different trails that you can go on and it'll tell you where you are. And it will also track your speed to see how fast you're going. Do not get that app. Okay. okay? <laughs> Cause you're going to go, Oh, I went 25 miles an hour. I can go faster. Oh, I went 30. I can go faster. Don't get the app. Let someone else get it. Sounds like a, Sounds like you have some personal experience with that. I do. I could, I tend to get a little bit extreme in most things that I do. Snow skiing is another one. And I, my, uh, my ability is not nearly what I sometimes think it is. Okay. Well, I'm going to try my best. 
And my all, I literally have one goal. Don't get hurt. No injuries. So that, that's literally my only goal. So that is, I will do whatever I have to do to get down the mountain safely. I will take my sweet ass time if I have to. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. It's going to be me and the, the five-year-olds hanging out. It's going to be great. You'll do fine. Keep it smooth. No big expectations and you'll have fun. Okay. It'll be great. I'll, just send me the invoice for that therapy session. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay it. All right. And on that note, episode 188 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. That's not right. It'll be, it'll be Sunday night. I, I forgot to change the words. The skiing thing has me flustered, man. Damn it. We'll record Sunday night after the Super Bowl. We'll put the episode out as quickly as we can. Hopefully, Perry on Winfrey's coming on Sunday. We're trying to work out a time with him right now, actually. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.